Hello, and welcome to Thank You for Toilet Paper, a history of the little things, a podcast where we talk about a few things to be grateful for and the stories and history behind them. I'm your host, Elizabeth Miller. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's get going. Now, today I am so excited because we have a very special guest, one of my favoritest people in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Great laugh, excellent introduction, my sister Katie Miller. Yes, same last name. Katie Miller. Same last name. Hi. (laughs) Is joining us today. And welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So excited you're here. So Katie's here again because of her love for paint. She's the one in the family who can paint and draw. Actually, mom can do that too. But like, most of us, most of us have some sort of like artistic ability. Yes. I can't do realism, but I love to paint. So. Wow. It's so di- I can't do anything beyond stick figures. Anyways, um, so today we are actually coming at you from my brother's closet. Uh, so the sound might be a little different. Uh, his the piping's like a little bit more exposed in his closet, and it is bigger than my closet. Actually, he has the biggest closet in the family. This used to be my closet, and I miss it. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Moment of silence for Katie's closet. Yep, that's not Jonathan's. <laughs> but uh, we found some water damage in my closet, um, and so that is just being taken care of. It yes. involved cutting a hole in the wall. Now they're drying it out, and it'll be a little while till I get a closet back. But for now, we are borrowing my brother's. So, yes. welcome to Jonathan's closet. Yes, which also sounds like a fine podcast. But yeah, today, actually, it does. <laughs> <laughs> so today we are going to talk about paints. And I'm so excited to chat with Katie because this is something that she studied. This is something that she loves. This is something that she uses. She does this right now. She makes things. (laughs) I make shapes. She makes things. Shapes are things. Shapes are things. Wow. I feel like so many podcast titles. Shapes (laughs) are things. I know. If anybody wants to buy a podcast title from Liz, uh, I will will sell it to you along with my one-of-a-kind drawing of my figure eight. So, okay. So, Katie has just talked to us about glass for a little bit. Glass paint, which is super duper cool. Mm -hmm. Glass on glass. Smells really good. Smells really good. Like clove, clove, right? Clove clove oil. oil. Um, Yeah. So if you're like, I need something that will calm me as I do it and maybe also burn at half the melting point of glass, (laughs) this is it. Not not half the melting point of the sun, which I still, I still um, vote that that's how we talk about it, but it's fine. Why not? I mean, you can't, Glory holes look like a burning mass. They do. You have to wear gas. sunglasses. Like yes. you, you can get a sunburn from um from blowing glass. Like a bunch of the glass blowers at Holdman, they would come back with sunburns on their arms and no on their faces. Way. Yeah. So that's why they wear those just sleeves. That's why glass blowers wear those just oh. sleeves. Um, and then they also will wear sunglasses. And so you get the raccoon, headbands. the the raccoon um sunburn. Yes, instead. you get the raccoon sunburn. The raccoon. The raccoon. <laughs> the raccoon. <laughs> Okay, so another thing that Katie loves, or that at least came up when we were talking about things that Katie could talk about, as one does, uh, (laughs) about paint, is mathematical perspective in painting. And I also realized that we forgot to talk about the Holy Trinity. So let's talk about the Holy Trinity first, because that was... We talked about going to Italy and how you loved the fresco, not yes. fresca, but and we (laughs) talked about fresco paintings a bit and plaster, Uh but... 
talk to us about your favorite okay. piece that you got to see in Italy and the cute yes. little Italian man who came up and yes. had a moment with you um, and then and then why it's so special okay. to you. Yeah, I, I definitely got distracted talking about the Sistine Chapel. But, uh, yeah, the Sistine Chapel was cool. Yeah, was all, the, cool. all the tracing. It's nice <laughs> to know that people trace. I mean, yeah. <laughs> As it an was... artistic person, I'm like, they just splat it up there. Well, I mean, he would... He, I mean, they might. He, he practiced sketching his journal and then had giant cutouts on paper and that he would pin up you can actually see the nail holes in the plaster where he pinned up little uh cutouts of the figurines and stuff so like yeah it makes it easier because i mean these were gigantic figures hand was like the size of my face or at least (laughs) did you ever have that happen okay i don't know if any of you had this happen i'm sorry (laughs) oh no i know what you're so in elementary school um there was this joke i guess this prank that people would say where they would tell you if your hand is the size of your face it is a sign that you have cancer, which is terrible. It's horrible now. Uh, but it's like... terrible now. But like, so unsuspecting elementary school students would put their hand next to their face or on their face, at which point the person who informed them of this sign of a medical condition would slap their hand against their face and basically just like slap their face. I mean, that would, it hurt your nose. It did. I don't know You're why like, this was a... I don't know why like the hand on hand to face slap ratio was like more intense than just a normal slap to the face, but it was. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of those kinds of pranks, quote unquote pranks things, were actually kind of cruel. <laughs> I think it was just an excuse to hit each other. Yeah. Oh, that's way too oh, much we information. We had like the Boys and Girls Club, oh, and it I... lasted for about a day. But we, um, <laughs> one of the girls managed to, she stole one of her mom's bottles of hairspray. And we, <laughs> we just spent the entire recess hairspraying our hair, and then chasing the boys around and trying to hairspray their hair. <laughs> end of it our hair was like a little bundle of sticks and in a ponytail oh no because it was so just clumped with, with oh. hairspray <laughs> that's disgusting i forgot about that man that just smells so bad when you washed your hair i do not I like don't the smell remember. of hairspray like wet hairspray it smells bad in my opinion, I don't remember. Other people honestly. may love it. It's just not mm-hmm. me. I um, think hairspray sp- smells better now than it yes. did. Like, oh my gosh! Then it was like I can feel the chemicals burning mm-hmm. my nose, and I will never eyes. taste again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and my eyes and all the things. But back to Italy. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm so... no, I took us on the tangent. It's <laughs> so fine. prone to tangents. Uh, it's fine. Yes. Italy. Italy. We're standing there. We've gone around Italy. We took a quick detour to Pisa where we like ran with our luggage, ran uh-huh. back with our luggage. Oh my gosh. We ran from Pisa airport to the leaning tower with <laughs> our rolling luggage. This is another And then ran story. back. Uh, no, we ran from the airport to the leading tower, and then we ran from the leading tower to Pisa Central train station, where we took the train to Florence. And wasn't... we ran. It was over a mile that we ran well, with yeah, our like we luggage. Legit ran. Well, it wasn't this. This was the one where we were trying to get to the correct airport, but we ended up at a military airport. That was the end of the trip. That was the, that end, was of the, the trip. end of the trip. So I trying saw... to leave Florence, we were like at a military yeah. base. So I, I saw that the we sign. walked to we through did. the wilderness in the rain. <laughs> So like, okay, I remember I saw a sign that said Aeroporto, and I was like, oh look, that might be airport. But then the GPS was like, no, it's in this direction. I was like, okay, so we walked, and we this guy with Google. this gigantic rifle is standing at the gate, and he turns around. He's like, he's like, no. Uh, you, he's like, he looks at us, and I remember he just said American. We're like, yes. He's like, airport's that. Way. <laughs> Like, oh, my days. We just trudged through, like, fields and trees to get here because of Google. (laughs) But anyways, so this was after. But in between, 
We went to Florence. We had a great time at the mm-hmm. plaza. We had an amazing Airbnb host, oh. Roberto. Roberto. He was so sweet. <laughs> and we got to the chapel where Katie got to see her favorite painting. It was at the Santa Maria Novella. And it's a church that, okay, so Renaissance churches were often built on top, right on top of medieval churches. So I don't know if you remember, that, but there were glass panels in the floor where you could mm-hmm. look down and see the original church that it was built on that had been built in the 1100s, and then this one was built on the top of it in the 1400s. Is that like a flex, or is that practicality? I think both. <laughs> <laughs> but um, So I remember looking down at the old church, and I was like, oh, cool. And I was looking around, and honestly, it took me... It, uh, the Holy Trinity was the last fresco that I looked at, because I was like, I want to save it for last, but also... I couldn't exactly figure out where it was. <laughs> um, There's a lot going on on those yeah, walls. Yeah, there was a lot. Um, <laughs> we went on a tour. I saw it. I looked up at it. I watched it for like 10 minutes and I cried because it was my favorite uh, fresco and painting that I ever studied in any of my art history classes. I got my um, bachelor's degree in art history. I walked so. away to give you a moment. <laughs> it was so sweet. I was like, give Katie a moment with the painting. <laughs> it made me cry. And this, this older gentleman must have seen me crying. He walked up to me and he said, que bella. And I was like, oh, I repeated it back to him. I was like, que bella. I know what that means. <laughs> and like, I got that one. So, and then he kind of smiled at me and then he looked up at the painting and said, Masaccio. And I was like, yeah. And then I was like, oh, this guy, this guy thinks I speak Italian. Oh, crap. And I just said, he's my favorite artist. He looked at me and kind of looked sad and went, oh. and then walked oh, away. Sad. <laughs> he's like, finally, someone I can enjoy this I with know. and you don't speak Italian. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So it was sweet. I wish I spoke any amount of Italian so I could have had like a cool little geeking out over art moment with this guy, but like, no. So tell yeah. me, what is so special about the Holy Trinity? Um, the, this particular painting by Masaccio, right? Yes. Uh, so I don't really know exactly what made it first catch my attention. It was just so beautiful. You've got... Um, it's an excellent composition. It leads your eye really, really well. You've got um, Christ on the cross, and then right behind him, you've got God. And then in God's collar is a dove representing the Holy Ghost. So you've got the Holy Trinity. Mm-hmm. And the composition is amazing because you've got the cross and then at the top you've got God kind of creating this almost triangular pattern because you've got his head and then his arms are kind of angled downward but out to the sides and they're touching either side of the cross. Uh-huh. So you've got this almost diamond shape with God and then the cross. Mm-hmm. And so that's a really lovely way to lead your eye around and, and see because mm-hmm. the Holy Trinity is in a triangular shape mm-hmm. with the arms of the cross acting as the base and then you've got Christ's head and then the Holy Ghost above that and then God's head above that so you've mm-hmm. got that triangular mm-hmm. shape mm-hmm. and then uh, the colors are beautiful it's fairly well preserved for how old it is historians looked at the plaster and they could see places where he drove a nail into the plaster and then used string to create straight lines and one-point perspective, because it was meant to be looked up at. Oh. Um, so he created one-point perspective, and you can see uh, where he made a makeshift compass to draw circles. And he has coffers that are looked up at at like a three-quarters angle, circular coffers that are looked up at a three-quarters angle, and they are mathematically perfect. This thing is beautiful. It It is so mathematically perfect that historians took a scan of it, and from just the scan, the 2D image, they were able to create a 3D room out of it. What? Yeah. So because like it's in the middle of an arch, so you've got like the arcade on either side and then it's in this kind of like central um aisle mm-hmm. that the cross is standing in the painting. Mm-hmm. Um and the ceiling above it it curves downward a bit. Huh. And somehow in that mathematical perspective it, it is perfect and so it creates this kind of depth of space. And Whoa. then all of the all of the arches kind of diminish in size and you've got all this really cool perspective. 
talk to us about mathematics and painting then, since we just learned about the perfection of Masaccio. Great. Awesome. Okay. In the classes I took, we went from cave paintings when there was only the subject of the painting depicted and not really environments so much, except for maybe some trees and some grasses and things like that. For a long time, most paintings took place outside. In late Greek art, you start to see paintings inside of temples. And a lot of the time, either the subject of the painting was painted in a very plain room with plain walls, and there wasn't a ton of perspective, so sometimes the walls were disproportionate to the height of the character, or like other things like that. Some of the characters were too small, too big. Um, or they were painted outside where you don't so much need perspective. Like um, moving from Greek art to Italian Renaissance, you've got the Scrovegni Chapel, which has frescoes painted by Giotto. And most of them are painted outside with this gorgeous dark blue background. And there are a few rooms and they are not in very good perspective. The, the archways are like exactly the size of the person. <laughs> so um, like in some places. That's how my archways work. I like to carry my archway with me <laughs> yeah, on my yeah. back. <laughs> of course. Portable archways. Got yes. It. Yeah. However, with Giotto, you get some of the first examples of foreshortening where the subject isn't like they're either reaching towards the viewer or they're like bent forward. And so you, you don't see their entire torso. You you see kind of a foreshortened version of it, a, a, a compressed version of it. This is an important step forward for painting because in the past it was either you paint them facing forward because that's the most recognizable angle. That is, I'm going to hop back to hieroglyphics. Hieroglyphics always have the head of the subject to the side in profile, the shoulders forward, the hips I think also forward in profile, but the feet sideways. Mm -hmm. So it looks a little strange. And then their arms are always reaching out sideways across, like across their body. One arm goes across the body, the other's out to the side. Because this was the most recognizable shape for a face, because you could paint the profile. And then you could paint the shoulders being broad. And so you can tell that it's a human. There are a very few examples of a completely like profile figure, but not very many. So you go from the hieroglyphics where you have different body parts facing different directions so that they can be most recognizable all the way forward to Giotto where he is painting painting of the lamentation after the descent from the cross you have a figure that's leaning forward with one arm behind outstretched behind them and that arm is foreshortened and that it doesn't look exactly right but that is one of the first examples of foreshortening in paintings that have survived I'm, there might have I'm sure there were examples before that mm -hmm. but so you get foreshortening and then you move forward into the deeper into the renaissance and you start to get one point perspective and one of the first artists to do that was brunelleschi and perugino perugino has a painting the delivery of the keys to saint peter where you have a baptistry in the center of the painting baptistry slash chapel in the center of the painting and then you have a grid on the floor and you can see the lines radiating out from the grid and it's the one point perspective so he used the same technique like the string you drive a nail into the center of the fresco and use a string to mark lines so everything goes back to that one point so it's one point perspective and then you have brunelleschi who conducted an experiment using a mirror uh he had a mirror that had a hole cut in it he used a series of mirrors to draw a baptistry in absolutely perfect mathematical perspective you start to have perspective of different types including the foreshortening one point perspective and then brunelleschi's experiment in the early renaissance in the mid 1400s so the Greeks and Romans had spatial depth in like their relief carvings and things like that because they were prolific carvers, but it wasn't mathematically perfect. You start to get mathematic perfection in perspective in the early Renaissance around the early to mid 1400s. After that, you get the Holy Trinity, which has perfect one point perspective and then perfect geometric shapes like the coffers viewed at a three quarters angle and things like that. Now, when it comes to lead paint, initially this was mixed by hand, which was very hazardous to the health of the workers because of lead poisoning. 
With the Industrial Revolution, however, came mechanics that could take on some of this danger, although lead paint is still not like super safe, but one that we still use. And as Katie mentioned, the people she knows who work with it have to get tested on the regular to make sure they are safe and have not experienced lead poisoning. We've talked about paint as it works in pieces of art, but what about the art inside of your home? I'm talking about painting walls, the thing that I can do! Painting the interior walls of our homes became more and more popular in the 19th century. Not only did this allow for some color or expression on the inside of homes, but it also had a functional purpose because it prevented wall decay from dampness. So it kept your walls up, which is great. We want those up. In 1866, Sherwin-Williams began producing paints that did not require prep and could be used right out of the can, which was fantastic. In the mid-1900s, watercolors also became generally available to the public in an easy access fashion. These days, paint is more easily produced and accessible than when it had to be made by hand, at home, with ingredients, sometimes from 25 miles away. There is so much more that we can talk about when it comes to paint and painting. If this is something you enjoyed, go learn more. I'm so sad we cannot cover all of it here because it's been fascinating and it's so much to read and research on and I'm really enjoying it, but we only have so much time. But hopefully this has whetted your appetite. Katie, thank you so much for like joining us on this podcast thank adventure. You. It was so fun. Uh, it's been so great. What, what does it mean to you? Hmm. Grateful for paint because it is like it's a natural desire for humankind to create and we're able to understand more of the human experience by observing the creations of humans who lived in the past. I mean of course before there were cameras there was portraiture so we know how people looked. We know um, even in like children's drawings and things like that we get to kind of hold a piece of their lives in our hands and experience what it was like to view the world from their perspective because they had to a lot of times artists would paint what they saw so we're literally looking through their eyes when we look at a painting regardless of whether it's abstract or hyper realistic that's really cool well i love that and i mean you think about it while we have learning and knowledge that we've built upon that we bring with us that we can take from the past use in the present and that will continue to carry on in the future it's so intriguing to me that so many of the things that are preserved over time are pieces of art. They're buildings mm -hmm. and they're pieces of art. It's sculpture, it's painting. Um, I mean, we have, you know, the clothing and stuff, but even that you can argue is some sort of creative expression, oh, like you said, and in and, and buildings as well. And so it's just so fascinating to me that it really is this artistic expression or this expression of creation that is what we search for that's what the treasure is that's mm -hmm. what our archaeologists are digging for and that is what ultimately connects us i think over over the centuries is what you just said we get to see something through somebody else's eyes and how amazing is it that that practice continues mm -hmm that it's something that happened in the past, like from cave drawings, and that's when we were at, that there was that yearning for expression that was strong mm -hmm. enough to be like, I'm going to put it on a wall mm -hmm. in the rocks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I need to figure out how to make it move. Yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to put it there. I'm going to hope that somebody sees it. I'm going to, it's in a cave. I don't know who was coming to see the cave drawing, but like, you know, there's just that innate desire to express and share and words and conversation can be preserved later like what was first preserved one could argue was art was pictures mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i just i find that fascinating i love it i love paint as a connecting force for understanding for perspective as mm -hmm. you said uh for creation and then just as something that just honors the beauty 
of of life of the world or of pain of experience it's something that transcends words and years that's something that was painted by Masaccio in the 1400s can make you cry and have a connection with an Italian man however short that connection was <laughs> um but the fact that he created something hundreds of years ago that connects to you and allows you to connect to others I think is a brilliant reason to be grateful mm-hmm. for paint yeah which is why I love it something that strikes me sometimes is it took a very long time to even just make paint for uh, up until I don't know last hundred or two years took a very long time to make paint but people did it anyway because that desire to express and connect with people has always been a part of being alive Mm -hmm. like you'll see people wave at complete strangers when they're on a boat they just wave at the people on the shore we're trying to process being alive we're trying to experience being alive and we're trying to share that experience and not feel alone i agree life is difficult it's lonely and we need each other and then we hurt each other and we're like i don't need people and like that's also a thing <laughs> yeah. but you know we need we need validation we need to mm-hmm. be able to express our pain express our joy and then have it ring true with somebody mm-hmm. right that that is that is a joyful joyful moment so whether you are able to draw or paint or create in hyper realism or you're like me and you just draw figure eight figures with eyeballs uh (laughs) that that creation that connection that act that you're doing is important Mm -hmm. it's important to share your story to express your point of view um and to do it in a way that hopefully connects with other people or at the very least allows you expression in a safe healthy lovely way connect with yourself you're yeah. here. You're alive as you. It's important to know yourself. Yeah. You're worth it. Yeah. Because of paint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Katie, thank you for being here. Thank you for having in me. In Jonathan's so closet. Jonathan, thank you for your closet. <laughs> um, and just, yeah, love you guys. Hope everybody's got a moment to connect with paint (laughs) 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 or figure eights or whatever whatever floats your boat but hope you all have a wonderful week have a terrific day and take care of yourself take care thanks have a good one